with me right now. Say, Pastor Mike, I'm opening my heart to the word of God tonight. I'm opening my heart to the word of God and I'm ready to partake of the bread of life this evening. Amen. So without further ado, will you welcome our director of prayer ministries, Reverend Cindy Bowen. Let's give her a round of applause tonight. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, um, for many, many months I prayed in here with a word back here on the back of the platform. And, and I made a decision in those days, those evenings when I was in here praying, I'll never give up that name. I'm never going to be quiet about that name. I can't be neutral about that name because heaven's not neutral about that name. Uh, and, and this isn't my message. But Philippians chapter 2, let me, just, let me just give you that for a moment. That therefore, because he stoops so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should and must bow in heaven and earth. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God in every tongue confess that he is Lord. Hallelujah. Love the name of Jesus. Love the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, tonight I won't keep you too long. Uh, last week, Noah did give us a, an excellent message. And uh, he, he was coming out of the life of the prophet Elisha. And when I began to pray, the Lord took me to Elisha. And I think that is not a mistake. I think that the Lord is trying to say something uh, to us through those words. And, and, and I'm wearing my church shirt because this little Pentecostal mommy was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, I, I praise God we have the technology in place to be able to have church online and be able to, to meet virtually with our brothers and sisters. But you know what? I got hungry for you. I got hungry to see your faces again. I got hungry to come into the gathering of the saints. I was ready when they said, oh, we're going to have church this weekend. I was ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, if I were to look at this year so far and pick out one word that I thought kind of summed it up, I've decided that that word would be, what? <laughs> what just happened? What are they saying? What happened over there? Uh, who knew when the year started that the things that seemed so predictable and so stable in our lives would suddenly start shaking? And, and those things that uh, we took for granted started shaking around. And it started looking like the people in charge didn't know what they were doing. Or maybe they were making it up as they went. And who knew the best investment you could make was an 18-pack of toilet paper? Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> but if you spend time watching the news even today, you're going to see story after story of really bad stuff. And they're going to give you little news bites of how hopeless it is and how there, there's no way out. You, you scroll through Facebook a little bit and you're going to see everybody has an opinion about everything that's happening or has happened or will ever happen. And everybody's opinion is right unless you don't agree with them. And, and then you're in trouble because you're wrong. 
But the conclusion I have come to is that with the cacophony of sounds bombarding us these, today, the one thing, the one opinion I need to hear, all I have to do is turn down the volume on my distractions. All I have to do is turn my television off and, and put Facebook away because if I'll go into my prayer closet and I'll press my ear against the floor of heaven, God is still speaking. And, and let me give you a, a little bit of encouragement tonight. He's not telling me any bad news when I'm in there. Hallelujah. We still serve a God who speaks. And you know, when our God speaks, something happens. It's impossible for God to speak and for nothing to happen. Because when God spoke in Genesis 1, light started shooting out into the darkness. Uh, order started coming into the chaos. Form and function came and was set in place because we have a speaking God. And he hasn't lost his voice. He's still speaking. And the words he's speaking are still words of life. Hallelujah. He's not saying anything bad. Uh, the popular news outlets would have you believe that uh, it all hinges. Are we going to make it? Are we smart enough to figure it out? Are we able to figure it out? Can we come up with the answer? Can we come up with the, the solution? Can we come up with something? And depending on which side of the fence you're sitting on, when you're watching the news, it's whoever's in the Oval Office. But I have a good news on that one too because there's a God still sitting on a throne in heaven. Hallelujah. And he hasn't abdicated any of his sovereignty. He's still God. He's not up there wringing his hands trying to, uh, trying to figure out, are we going to figure this out in time? He's not worried about this. And the thing that knocked the wind out of us didn't even catch him off, off guard. God knew what was coming. Uh, and, and the world has been shaking. It's been really in fear. But the only thing that shakes the church is the hand of God. The, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. How could anything less? God only shakes the church and he does it to get our attention. God's the only one who's doing the shaking for us. Hebrews 12 tells us that God has promised that once more he will shake the heavens and the earth so that those things that can be shaken will be removed. And all that remains is what cannot be shaken. Saints, you're getting a kingdom that can't shake. You're coming into the kingdom that can't be moved. God is in control. He's a consuming fire. And the narrative of heaven is always going to trump the narrative of earth. It always trumps it. Always. We tend to equate the shaking and the change with loss. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I don't like change very much. And I'll stick with status quo when it's not very good because it's more comfortable than changing. But if I believe that God is the one doing the shaking and I believe that God is the one who is changing the season then I can't afford to live like somebody without faith. I can't afford to live like somebody who doesn't know that God. And you know, if we know his character, if we know he's holy and he's just and he's merciful and he's good and he's kind and he is for us, then we can trust him in the shaking. We can trust him. He loves us. But if he allows the change to come, he's planned for it. He's promised to make it work for my good. Things are changing it's the time of transition, but God's hand is still on the reins. God is still in control. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
let, let's open our Bibles tonight and get in the Word. I can bring you all kinds of opinion, but the Word changes things. I'm in 2 Kings chapter 2. I'm going to be starting in, in verse 1. When we are in this, this book of, of King, uh, 2 Kings, I, I just want to remind you something that Noah told us last week, that Elisha is the successor to the prophetic ministry of Elijah. Elijah's the man that confronts kings, and he calls fire out of heaven, and he slays the prophets of Baal, but when Jezebel threatens him, he runs and hides in a cave. And Elijah's in a cave hiding, and he's telling God how bad it is. God, don't you know I'm the only one left serving you? God, don't you know it's hopeless? God, why don't you just let me go ahead and die and, and just come on to heaven myself? What, what, what good is there? What, what more can I do? And, and the Lord comes to him and he says, Elijah, you don't know everything. You don't understand everything that's going on here. I still have 700 who haven't bowed their knee yet. Now get up, I have something for you to do. And he said, I want you to go. And as you go, I want you to anoint the next king of Israel. That's Jehu. I want you to anoint the next king of Syria. That's Haziel. But I also want you to anoint your successor. Anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, to be prophet in your place. And and, and I want to say right here that um, he's from Abel-Meholah. And that's why that's important that I think the Lord keeps giving us Elisha. Yeah. Because Abel Mahola is in the territory of Issachar. Yeah. That means Elisha, yeah. his family home, he's of the tribe of Issachar. Yeah. And when you read in the transition from Saul to David's kingship, uh, the Bible tells us that the sons of Issachar have an understanding of the times they're in. And they know what Israel ought to do. I I believe the Lord is telling us tonight that there's a time of transition and he wants us to know and have an understanding and be wise in what we're supposed to be doing. Hallelujah. Elijah goes on his way and he comes to a field. And in that field he finds Elisha. And let me tell you what Elisha is not doing. He is not filling out his uh, application for prophet school. He's not writing his name to put in a piece of pa- uh, the piece of paper in a hat and hope that Elijah picks that name out. He's uh, not looking on the job listings to see if there's a place in the, in, the, in the establishment for a prophet. Instead, he's doing what he knew to do next. He's doing the right thing. He's plowing his ground. And he's plowing his ground to make sure that his family gets to eat. To make sure there's crops put up so when the winter comes, there's going to be food to be had in his household. His family's going to have what they need. And it is powerful when we don't know what's happening and we don't know what we're supposed to do next, it is powerful to do the next right thing. Keep plowing the ground. Keep plowing the ground. And you know, I'm not a farmer. I guarantee you, give me a plant, I will kill it. I'm really good at that. I put out uh, tomato seeds at the same time my mom did. And hers is a bush. And mine isn't even breaking the ground. I'm I'm not a farmer. Uh, But but I am a country girl. I've been in the country a long time. And I know 
This was man that was working hard. He's got 12 yoke of, of oxen. I'm sure I couldn't handle one. But he's got 12 yoke of oxen. And let me tell you, he's working hard. And he's sweating on his plow. He's, he's working hard and he's breaking up the dry, hard ground. And he's sweating. And he's just doing the next right thing. Can I tell you, uh, church, that the Lord is never going to give us territory if we're not willing to sweat on our plows. If we're not ready to uh, put our face down in our prayer closets and pray over the people. We can't have a voice to them. I can't preach to you if I haven't prayed for you. I don't have a heart for it if I haven't prayed for you. God's looking for somebody who'll get their plow ready and go ahead and sweat over it when nobody's looking. Uh, Elisha didn't have a fan club. Nobody was lined up at the edge of the field except Elijah. But he was doing the right thing. He's doing the right thing. Jesus said his body was broken bread and his blood was poured out wine. If we are willing to get in this book and eat it and let our lives be transformed and start walking this out in the world, if we're willing to sweat over our plows in our prayer closet, if we're willing to be the broken body and the poured out wine, the Lord will give us the, the territory around us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Elijah walks by Elisha in that field and he drops his mantle on his shoulders. Just drops that mantle on him. And now the, the, the Israelites understand something about a garment, about a mantle. You see, Adam and Eve were trying to make themselves coverings out of fig leaves. They're making aprons out of fig leaves. And God says, no, you need a garment. Let me make, uh, I'm going to take these skins. I'm going to make you a garment. Uh, Jacob uh, makes for Joseph uh, a coat of many colors. And in that coat of many colors laying in his bed, uh, Jacob is dreaming. And he's seeing the future that God's put out in front of him. They, the, the Israelites know a little bit about their garments. So Elisha, Elijah throws that, Eli, uh, that mantle on Elisha. Again, what didn't he do? He didn't check his bank account. Can I afford to take time off from the field and go, go with the prophet? He didn't write out a letter, will you support me? Instead, he takes his oxen, which is his wealth. He takes his oxen. And he breaks the yoke to make firewood. And he kills his oxen because he's all in. He's never going back. He's going to give up his heritage. He's going to give up what should have been his, what should have been his privilege, so that he can walk with the prophet. There was no looking back. And for the next season of his life, Elisha serves Elijah. And that sounds really cool, except the Bible says, that Elisha was the one who poured water on Elijah's hands. This was not a cushy job. He's serving. He's doing the low thing. And that's when we get to our text. It's time for transition. I don't know how long that season was in Elisha's life. The, the commentary I looked at suggested about 8 to 10 years. I don't know. But it's time for transition. And that's where we're in our, in our text tonight in Second Kings Chapter 2, starting in verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were going from Gilgal. And I don't know if you remember about Gilgal. Gilgal is that place 
that when the children of Israel were about to enter into the promised land, they were uh, standing beside the Jordan River, but they hadn't crossed over. And God says, now wait a minute. Not everybody in this group looks like they have a covenant with me. The men who had been born in the 40 years in the wilderness had not been circumcised. And that mark in the flesh was the, was the sign, the outward sign of a covenant with God. And, and they knew they couldn't go on into the land looking like they didn't have a covenant with God. So at Gilgal, Joshua circumcised the children of Israel. And he called it Gilgal, which means rolling because the reproach of, of Egypt was rolled off of Israel that day. And that's in Gilgal. And that's where they start. Elijah said to Elisha, Tarry here, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha replied, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Bethel. And the prophet's sons who were at Bethel came to Elisha and said, Do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? And he said, Yes, I know it. Hold your peace. So Elijah says, Elisha, you just stay over here where the, you've got a, we've got a history with God over here in the Gilgal. Just stay there. You can stay there. And Elisha won't have it. And they go on to Bethel. And if you remember Bethel, now he's at Bethel. Bethel is the place when Jacob is running from Esau. Right. And he's afraid of Esau. He's cheated him out of his birthright, and he's cheated him out of his blessing, and he's running away. He's afraid. And he stops in a certain place, the Bible says. And in that certain place, he lays down, and he uses a rock for a pillow. That's beyond me, but he has a rock for a pillow. And, and he puts his head on, and he has a dream. And in the dream, he sees this ladder with an end on the earth reaching into heaven. And there's angels going up and down the ladder, up and down the ladder. But the best part is the Lord is standing over beside of him. And he starts speaking to Jacob. And he says, Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, and I'm the God of Isaac. He tells, he tells him who he is. He tells him what he's going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your descendants as many as the dust. Uh, the earth is going to be blessed by your offspring. And I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you until I make all this happen. Well, when Jacob wakes up, he takes his rock. This was a great dream. He takes his rock and he sets it on the earth and he pours out oil on it. And he says, this is nothing less than the house of God. Bethel. Bethel, the house of God. Yeah. And, and this is where Elijah and Elisha are. Yeah. He said, Elisha, why don't you stay over here at Gilgal? It's, you know, it's comfortable. There's a good chair for you. They've got a recliner. <laughs> now he's in Bethel. And he says, Elisha, why don't you stay here? It's a good place. Why don't you stay? Verse 4, Elijah said to him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets who are at Jericho came to Elisha and said, do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? And he answered, yes, I know. I know. Hold your peace. And I know you remember Jericho and the walls of Jericho. 
That was the place when they're entering into the promised land. The Israelites are entering into the promised land. They're, they've crossed over the Jordan. They're, they're there. They're in the promised land. And the first thing they come to is a city with walls so big that the chariots could race on top of them. All they had to do, all the people of Jericho had to do to defend themselves from the Israelites is lock the door. It's over. Battle's over. We're just going to sit in here. In Joshua chapter 6, Joshua's sitting and he's looking at Jericho. He's looking at that city, that impregnable fortress. And he doesn't know how he's going to get in there. But then he looks up and he sees the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Jesus, is standing there with a sword. And he says, are you for me? Are you for me or are you for my enemies? You got a big sword there, guy. We and who, are, who, who are you for? And he says, you don't understand, Joshua. Take your feet off. Your shoes off your feet. Take your shoes off. You're in a holy place here. I've come as the Lord of the captain of the Lord of hosts. And he starts talking to Joshua and he gives him a strategy to take down the walls. And it's crazy. There's no way it should have worked that, uh, walking around that wall once a day for six days and then seven times on the seventh day and blowing that trumpet's horn and, and that trumpet and, and shouting should have brought a wall down, but the shout brought down the wall. The faith, the shout of faith brought the wall down. Amen. So that's where they are. Elijah said, Elisha, why don't you stay over here in Gilgal? Stay over here where it's comfortable, where they have the recliner. No, I'm, I'm going with you, Elisha. Stay over here, Elijah, uh, Elijah said. Stay here in Bethel. It's a good place. It's a place where we got history with God. And, and Elisha's like, no, no, no. I don't think so. And, and, and again, he says, will you stay here at Jericho? Just stay here with Jericho. Elisha said to him, Tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And the two of them went on. Now the Jordan keeps showing up in your Bibles. The Jordan is the place that the Israelites cross over on dry land to get into the promised land. A couple of chapters on into your Bible from where we are tonight. The Jordan, the muddy rivers is where the leprosy of Naaman is washed away. And best of all, the, the Jordan River is where Jesus is going to step out in those muddy waters to, to meet John the baptizer. And he's going to be baptized uh, because it fulfills righteousness, he said. And, and a voice comes out of heaven saying, oh, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And the, the Holy Spirit comes and rests on him like a dove. And the anointing, the Isaiah 61 anointing of Jesus starts at this moment in the River Jordan. And that's where, the, that's where, that's where uh, Elijah is going. Verse 7. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood to watch afar off. The two of them stood by the Jordan River. And Elijah took his mantle and he rolled it up and he struck the waters. And they divided this way and that. So that the two of them went over on dry ground. And when they had gone over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, I pray you, let a double portion of your spirit come be upon me. Elisha, Elijah said, why don't you stay at Gilgal, Elisha? Why don't you stay at Bethel? 
Why don't you stay at Jericho? You've got a history. You can be comfortable there. He says, I'm not going to leave you. Everywhere that Elijah went, the prophets discerned the transition. The prophets were discerning something's changing. Uh, the, our spiritual life and our nation's changing. Uh, the spiritual atmosphere's changing. They see it. Every one of the prophets see it. But none of them put their shoes on. Until that last little, little walk, nobody put their shoes on but Elisha. They could discern it, but they weren't willing to follow after the prophet. But Elisha refused to get in the recliner. He refused to sit down in the familiar places where there was a history with God because he was following hard after Elijah. He's following the anointing. He's not going to let that anointing get out of his sight. He's not going to stay where it's comfortable if the anointing is going to move on. And, and you know how this plays out. I'm not going to read you the rest of that, but, but you know how it plays out that Elijah goes to heaven in a whirlwind and as the mantle falls back down, the same mantle that had, had been thrown on his shoulders, Elisha picks it up and he goes back and he, he, he strikes the water himself and it moves out of his way and he walks into that double portion ministry of miracles. The, the transition has happened. Uh, the, the spiritual atmosphere has changed and it's a new day. And that is the word that the Lord has given me for our church tonight. How far are you willing to go? How far will you go? We're seeing this season of transitions. It's not time to stand, stand still or shake in terror. It's time to enter into boldness into the next season. Let the world shake in fear. You're the church. The church doesn't get afraid of the world. The church walks with Jesus. The church fears God. Hallelujah. We've been to our Gilgal church. We've been to the place where our reproach was rolled away. And, and you know, it starts at that altar coming under the blood of Jesus. But I have to tell you, I had to go back there a lot. I spent a long time there waiting for the reproach to come off of me. I spent a long time there trying to convince uh, God how I, that, uh, I, he should let me in. I spent a long time repenting for sins he'd already forgiven me for. I had to become convinced of the work of Calvary. I had to become convinced that what Jesus did was enough. That's Gilgal. We've been there. And if we want to, Jesus will let us sit down there and enjoy our freedom. Enjoy our liberty. Just enjoy it if we want to. But if we'll get in our prayer closet and listen, you can hear the word of the Lord saying, you know, I'm moving on. Will you keep pace with me? We've been to our Bethel, the house of God, where we get this revelation of who he is and what he thinks about us and what his plans are. We get the revelation in Bethel in the house of God. The Lord, you know, we sung songs in here for a long time. Oh, how he loves us. Uh, oh, oh, how he loves us. So we sing songs in here a long time. Uh, and in my car, I sing it anyway. <laughs> I am who he says I am. And, and we have become convinced First at Gilgal of the work of Calvary, and there at Bethel, we become convinced of the heart of God, that he really does love us. Yeah. He, he really does. Yeah. And if we want to, we can camp out right there. We can keep singing, and there's nothing wrong with the songs. We're going to keep singing the songs. They're good songs. <laughs> but we can keep looking at this one revelation 
and miss what the Lord is saying. Yeah. I'm still walking. I'm still moving. Yeah. I'm still walking on. Will you keep pace with me? We've been to our Gilgal. We've been to our Bethel. We've been to our Jericho. We've been to the place where we saw God move in our behalf. We've been to the place where we had the blessed life. We've had a victorious life, and we knew God was doing it for us. Uh, it wasn't so much about uh, anybody else. God was just blessing me. I'm over here getting my blessing and shouting at Jericho. Uh, we, we, we can stay there in our blessed life where the walls are falling and God's doing things for us. God is working things out for us and we just know we're in the blessing. But if you listen, there's a voice that says, I'm walking. I'm keeping, I'm going to have to keep going. Will you keep, will you keep pace? Because there's a Jericho, the Jericho's past us. Uh, there's a Jordan River in front of us. And the Jordan River is muddy. We can't see what it looks like too much. We just know that it's the water and it's muddy and we don't know what's in there. So it can be a little mysterious to us. We're at the Jordan River and we know that that's the place where the anointing comes. That's the place where we walk into the callings of God. The callings of God we have personally. But we're walking into the place that, uh, that God wants to anoint this church for what he has called it to be in this region, in this city, in this community, in this region. God has a plan and a purpose. And if we stay in our comfortable places uh, uh, where our reproach is gone, uh, if we stay where we're getting the revelation and we're being blessed, we will never go out here where it's about somebody else the, the, the Jordan I have to tell you the, the anointing on Jesus' life was not comfortable it, it never made him comfortable instead it put him in opposition to the Roman government it put him in opposition to the religious rulers uh, it cost something for him to carry that anointing let me, let me read you Isaiah 61 um, just, just a couple of verses this is the anointing on Jesus' life. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor, the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives, the opening of the prison and eyes to those that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort those who mourn. This is what that anointing over here at the Jordan River is for. It's for the dirty. It's to send you to the broken. It's to send you to the addict. It's to send you into a prison. It's to send you where people are sitting in ash heaps trying to live and taking Jesus into that place. And, and I, I know that um, we're not doing the altar call. You know, we can't put your hands on you. You don't want me to touch you. <laughs> Soon. But, but can I ask you, can, can you come back up and play a little something? Because the Lord's saying, do you want to stay over here in your freedom and just be happy? Do you want to stay here in the revelation and enjoy just enjoy the presence of the Lord. That's, that's probably one of my favorite places. Let's enjoy the, pre the presence of the Lord. Do you want to stay here in your blessed life? Or are you ready? I can't open this altar, but your seat can be your altar tonight. Your seat can be your altar tonight.
I want to I want to read you a word that the Lord gave me this is not the time to stand and shake in terror it is the time to enter with boldness into the next season which I have ordained let the world shake in fear let the shaking in this body be this one thing the reverent worshipful fear of the Lord all that I have done in your lives and spoken into your hearts you will carry into the future I do not wish for my people to sit idly by while the time of transition is upon them clinging to old ways of understanding will hinder you from what I want to do in this day let your heart be set on this I do not want to stay where the when the Lord has moved let your determination be this wherever the Lord is and whatever he is doing there will I be and that will I be doing those there are those in this hour who will say oh I will settle back into my seat and be comfortable once more and I will allow it to happen my people must choose for themselves how closely they follow behind me those who say just go back to normal will find that the seat will still hold them but will leave their desire unfulfilled let your heart and mind be set fully upon me and follow closely behind me I would never send you down a path I have not trodden those who come to me I will take on the journey just as I've done with you but as for the church I say keep pace with me keep walking with me the season has and is still changing come with me to the Jordan do not wait for your government or your society to speak to you what a normal thing is do not wait for the government to dictate what the normal shall be in the church the church has one head and after coming to the Jordan the church will change the normal by bringing healing to communities by faith and in boldness it is time for the people who know their God to be strong and do great exploits I want to ask you tonight how far are you willing to go are you willing to step into the next season the Lord has for you in your life and in the life of the church if that's you and you say yes I'm ready to go I'm ready for the Jordan I, I want the many places I want to do I want to keep pace with the Lord I want to ask you tonight just just go ahead and lay your, your hand on your own chest lay your hand on your own chest